Okay, uh, hello and welcome to the Minnesota Twins Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. This is the inaugural episode of the Minnesota Twins Suicide Crisis <laughs> and Lifeline. That's right. Um, my name is Val Gravel. I'm the Terry Ryan of podcast production and joining me today in this attic is the Colossus of Clout Sharking my brother Ray. That's right. I'm the I'm the Bill Smith. You're of, the uh, Bill Smith of, yeah. of podcast production. I think this is a pretty natural segue to, to the first thing I wanted to talk about. And because this is the inaugural episode, I think it's important uh, to talk about why we're doing what we're doing right now. Smart. I've been to a lot of therapy. and um, I've not. Yeah. Well... This is precisely my point. I've been to a lot of therapy and, you know, my therapist was always like, I'm seeing all these traumas, responses in your behavior. I'm seeing these patterns of trauma response, but you don't, you don't have any traumas to speak of. And so we started digging down. We started sort of, we started going through things that could have brought that out of me. What have hurt, what's hurt you in the past? And uh, first... Uh, the first thing that we sort of dealt with was Jeremy Corbyn becoming the leader of labor. And we worked through that and, and it didn't fix the problem. So then it was January 6th. I, I worked through that over the last two years. And um, then our new thing is uh, I'm a lifelong Minnesotan and a Minnesotan sports fan. That's right. So we want to help others. But also... Aaron Gleeman allegedly <laughs> let me get something straight here. <laughs> let me let me let me be real with you. Aaron Gleeman allegedly at least used to live in the same building as the mayor, and I want that for me. Yeah, it does sound pretty good. That Patreon money sounds pretty. If we could if we could have live in the same building as the mayor Patreon money, the thing is about podcasting is it's like, is it an irritating thing to do with your life? Yes. However, if I can be irritating... And make some dollars. If I can make some money being irritating... Then I don't see what's, what's I don't, so bad about that. That doesn't seem so bad. I've also always wanted to get like a real legit cease and desist letter and i'm really hoping the the title of this show can can, <laughs> get, can get some if i can check that off the bucket list and i think it would also be helpful to sort of explain where we're coming from as fans and as podcasters right. um so i i want to hear your best twins memory and then we'll do our worst twins memories but let's start hmm. with the best. Best twins memory. I think Damn, that's a that, that's a good one. I uh a, a recency bias, I'd say uh Sano hitting the grand slam uh, against the the now Guardians uh at the near the end of the season to really clinch the division in 2019. That was pretty good. That was pretty sick. Maybe like Tommy hitting like his 600th home run. A couple like Tommy moments. When he hit the flagpole, mm -hmm. uh, like that kind of stuff. I don't remember too much from 
game 163, but I remember it being awesome, like a great memory. I don't actually yeah. re- I remember the feeling. I'd say of those, the one that is the best in my mind that jumps out is probably the Sunil home run. It's most recent. That was when I was happiest about the team. That's when I was most ready to kick that field, that football that Lucy was holding. Sure. I'm going to say mine, and this is this is a function of being the older brother. I started getting really into baseball. We should say that I don't know how it is in other municipalities, but the Twins, uh, for my entire childhood, were available to watch only on cable, which my parents, our parents, were not going to pay for. So a lot of my childhood baseball memories is watching the nationally broadcasted games and then listening to the Twins on the radio. So I got really into baseball around 2001 because I was... I was um, Right when they started getting good? Well, right when they started getting good, but I remember... I, started, I probably started during the Sammy Sosa-Mark McGuire home run. Sure, yeah. Because I remember I would I would check the stand they would post the standings in the newspaper every day. Um and so I would go see if Luis Gonzalez <laughs> was was come, was making a strong case for second. I would say by 2001 I was really in full swing and as you may remember listener uh there was much talk that our beloved twins would be contracted that off season. And they, through no fault of their own, were not. So I was very happy that I still had a team. And then we started stealing cable. Yes. And and, and during that offseason. So I very strongly remember maybe the happiest I've ever felt is the Jock Jones leadoff home run oh. to start this, the 2002 season. Oh, yeah, damn. First batter, first game, a second pitch, I think. Home run. Jack Jones, baby. Most valuable position play. Uh, hitting first, most definitely. Yes. And one of the prototypical <laughs> leadoff hitter. Are you fast in play center field? You are a he leadoff was hitter. Left. Who was he was a right fielder. fielder. Yeah. Uh, who was our well, center I mean, fielder uh, at the time? Was Tori not? Tori was. Yeah, duh. Uh, so, but Jack Jones did play center field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And frankly, it, for, this is not my worst Twins memory, but a Twins heartbreak of mine, an early Twins heartbreak of mine, was the the Jock Jones-Shannon Stewart trade, which which was actually probably on paper a good move, but because of that magical Jock Jones home run, I could not countenance the another black yeah. right fielder. Right, yeah. this, this is too much. Trying to think of my the worst, uh, my worst memory. It might be like any time Byron Buxton gets injured. Mm-hmm. That's probably pretty high up there. I've I was at the game where he got hit in the hand with the pitch like three days after coming back. Oh yeah, that is um, bad. I saw Royce Lewis tear his ACL last year. Oh, were you there for I, that live? I was in person. I've seen a lot of injuries. The worst I felt. Oh, actually, I've got a better uh, one of my other better best moments is the that game we lost to the Yankees, the regular season game that was really good in twenty nineteen. Mm. Uh, that was just a great game, but that's also one of the most painful ones of Aaron Hicks hitting a, the go ahead home run, and Aaron then robbing Hicks. Max Kepler of Aaron Hicks 
single-handedly defeating us was very brutal. Um, Where's he now? Is he still he's on the Yankees? Yeah, and they hate I, they hate his guts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he was good for like an all star for that. They have so many fun no longer twins on that squad. Oh man, we could talk. We 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 shouldn't right now, but we could talk about how much they hated that Josh. They hate Josh Donaldson. I <laughs> they really hate that. Him. Is something I have in common with Yankees fans. Very few things that I have in common with Yankees fans. One is that I think Josh Donaldson is a born prick. <laughs> oh yeah, a real, <laughs> a real, real fucking dickhead. We we had mentioned that Gleam in the Gleam in the Geek will call him a red ass because they love baseball lingo. Oh, they're, they they're, love they they're, love they love saying inside they're baseball. So, they are they such love, smarks for that shit. <laughs> they love being inside baseball they'll call him a red ass but almost as like a like well, that's just the kind of guy he is but, he's just that but, kind but of... then until it until it turns out that he's like kind of racist like weird at least weird to tim anderson that was remember that last year yeah tim anderson tim anderson his whole weird thing with tim anderson. which is so funny because it's like the biggest baseball fan in the ku klux klan today <laughs> likes Tim Anderson more than the Josh usual. Donaldson. At least he can hit. <laughs> yeah, at least he's good. You know? You stink, like the, my brother. The most racist guy named Bobby that lives on Long Island is like still like, yo, if we could have fucking Tim Anderson better than this bum. I have a fun one for worst twins memory. And this is actually, it's a bit of a technicality. I was not making memories at this point. But when I was three years old, I was taken to my first Twins game. I did not like how loud it was, so we left uh, early and got mugged in the parking lot. <laughs> my dad got mugged at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome holding me in his arms. And apparently, this might be an embellishment of his, but that I was very, I thought we were making some new friends at the time oh hey oh hey yes he does have money my dad has lots of money i think the worst i've actually ever felt was uh-huh. probably anytime the yankees have hit a home any actually anytime Didi gregorius has been at bat when we went up three nothing in the 2017 al wild card game against the yankees and it's just like we only got to beat him once and then mm-hmm. we don't have to deal with Never him. see him again. This is literally the best op- opportunity, the most uh, ideal conditions to face the Yankees for a team that literally cannot beat them. And we go up 3 nothing, and then immediately Irvin Santana's just throwing hangers down the middle every single pitch. And the, <laughs> and we're already, and we, and we tie, Didi Gregoris hits a three-run dinger to tie it up, and then we hit another home run. To go up four to three and then lose nine to four. <laughs> that was, you know what? That is a we that's knocked, a dark day. We knocked their starting pitcher out in the first inning. He got like one out. Who was it? It was I think it was Luis Severino. In yeah, it was Severino. I think. I think it was Luis Severino. Because I and remember I was like, being like, we got to. Yeah, I was like, this guy's got nothing. And then I was like, oh. Irvin Santana hasn't had anything since the All-Star break. Because it, it was when he had like seven shutouts or some stupid shit in the first half of the season. And, and then, then he, someone told he, him to stop uh, juicing. Yeah, he fucked his finger up and then probably had to quit using PEDs. 
And then uh, we brought in, I was like, we probably should have started Barrios. And then we brought him in the second inning. <laughs> that might be the worst game I've ever, the, like just the shittiest I've felt. Or when we couldn't beat the Astros in 2020 and they were under 500. We gave up like three runs. Yeah, we like, they were, series, we scored like one scored run. One. It was just like, if all right. that. I was eight months old when Jack Morris threw a 10 inning two hitter. Yeah, you really kind of fucked this shit up. Yeah, for us. so like, I lived and died during an era when, when the Twins had two MVPs and a two time Cy Young winner and could not get out of the first and still can't. Yeah. They were not getting out of the first round then. And they were yeah. not getting out of the first round now. In retrospect, that's what makes 2019 so hard for, mm-hmm. for me, is that it's the most fun I've ever had watching a baseball team, because they hit a, a million home runs. They set the record. It, it just rocked. Like, it was just so fun to watch. And then it's just like, no, this team's different. Like, mm-hmm. we've never had a team that hits home runs before. We're always a team that just gives up home runs and hits singles. So it's like, maybe this is the kind of thing we need to do to, to uh, win a game in the playoffs mm-hmm. and it did not matter a game singular <laughs> and then it turned out that they juiced the balls <laughs> and then unjuiced them in the playoffs <laughs> and it was over <laughs> that was it nelson, and i could tell nelson at the time cruz, i could tell yeah nelson cruz hit a long double i remember yeah, he that. Had like a, he had one like barely over the fence in new york over yep. the right field fence and i was like oh shit <laughs> I think that, the balls don't. He's not a wall scraper. I remember at the time being like, I feel like the ball's just not traveling very yeah, far. And yeah, then they're yeah. just like, Yeah, we cheated the whole time. We the whole season. It was a joke. And then we went the other way. Then we let them. We let the pitchers cheat. And then everybody got too mad about it. I think it's also important. So, so there's definitely the 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 problem of the compounding nature. Of failure. Sure, they all get worse. Every each one is worse than the last. It feels like because it can't it keep feels happening. Feels like us. yeah. If every failure immediately before it happens, you're like, well, this can't happen again. And 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 every sport. Yeah. Well, I was gonna <laughs> say the other... and from a macro level, you were the that was the last Twins or the last Minnesota championship, other than the the Lynx winning there. The Lynx won many their WNBA and, titles. And rarely get any local the, media credit uh, for being the, the the one of the best teams in the WNBA for like six years. Uh, as far as the Wild Vikings, Timberwolves, and Twins are concerned, it's been a long thirty years. It's definitely not us. It's them. It's not anything I did. It's just so unlikely. The Twins especially. To, yeah. to lose 19 games in a row in a sport where like the worst team wins at least a third of the time. You know what I mean? Like, like, like nece- they necessarily Baseball's not like win. basketball where uh-huh. like especially in a series like the best team's just going to win unless it's a weird matchup. It's like base, like stupid. It's not quite hockey. Hockey's the ultimate random shit sport. But like baseball, it's like there's no way you can lose 19 games in a row. It shouldn't happen. I get that they're all discrete events and like they're all different teams. So it's not like this one team lost 19 games in a row. But like to spread it out over that length of time and just like that many different people and teams. Right. Just like this is such horseshit. It's like kickers for the Vikings. 
How do we keep doing this? How many different front offices, head coaches, and kickers themselves? Trainers. How many day-to-day injuries? I think that sort of establishes how we feel and where we're coming from. I think it should be mentioned that we have no access to to anyone. We have no source. We have not one source. One time the team did send me a bat for my 7th grade science fair project. Oh, that's pretty cool. I asked for a broken bat, and they sent me a bat that a a piece uh, this large, about maybe 3 inches long, chipped off. (laughs) It, like, flaked off the bat of an ash bat nobody used. (laughs) Still was broken. Like, Thank you. <laughs> we have nary a source, and but we do have insight. Well, I was, but specifically, non-mathematical insights. I do like math. I understand. I, I do like this. I do like stats a lot. I understand them, but basically, when we were talking about starting this, we were talking about how. So much sports coverage is like either all eye test or it's all numbers or all analytical. I think that's a better word for it. Or the third option is breathlessly reporting what agents and executives are doing. The local news just say police report style. Just anything they say. We don't like journalists. Guys who are star fuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, guys who have podcasts who mostly do it to talk about how they uh, talk to the players. <laughs> right. So we're just, you know, we're just a couple of regular gentlemen that enjoy America's past time. It's been my favorite sports ever since I liked sports it's ever true. since i could remember it when i was like four i like was at at a cousin's softball game and i just like instinctively ran and threw the ball or like got a foul ball and whipped it back to the infield and i think kind of since then i was like this is my shit this is my and shit. it's only brought me uh mostly pain uh in a professional uh rooting for the that is you know the experience you described is is what a lot of people say about the first time they did heroin it felt natural. It felt right. I just, I just it, like knew what to do. And then you destroyed your life. <laughs> I made myself permanently unhappy. And that's that's what brings us here today. And specifically, what happened today is the worst thing that could happen, which is that the twins signed the richest deal in team history on a man. For whom the twins were a a distant third choice, yeah, right? Um, and his name is Carlos Correa, and I believe he is. I believe he's from. What is he north? Is he North Korean? I think so. <laughs> I think he's from the DPRK. Yeah, yeah. He's, the, um, all their all their names are Korea are Korea spelled a different way. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like everyone in Saudi Arabia has <laughs> Saud all Saud on their name somewhere. Carlos Correa is um, he's one of the foremost practitioners of Juche thought in the West. Best shortstop in the league, if not the best shortstop in the free agency class. Yeah, and it was a, and it was a, it was a great him and Trey Turner and Dan's 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 be, Dan's be born 
to play baseball. Swanson. Well, yeah, talk about it. Talk about a baseball player. Talk about it. Just a himbo. Just a handsome, ridiculously named young man. And Carlos Correa, he signed last year a sort of atypical free agency contract. He signed like a, a big money one year deal that had right. two years of options on it. Lockout fueled, basically. The, the, it was it that was probably the biggest per year free agent signing. Oh, easily for the Twins. Easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be one of like the first or second time we've ever paid anyone. Thirty million dollars yeah. a year, because <laughs> I don't think Maurer ever got Maurer, to thirty. No, Maurer was like a twenty-five. Could, like re- relative that. to the time, though, they're like adjusted the same. for inflation. Basically, like Maurer was probably earning more more per year in value or whatever. Yeah, he had. Yeah, <laughs> he was getting paid housing bubble max, uh, and we were f- underpaying him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I called it the worst thing that could ever happen is because one of the things that has always maddened me about being a Twins fan it's really is... vexed me. It's really... It's, it's, it's been a consistent vexation for me. Is <laughs> not so much the team as the discourse surrounding it that there was something almost un-Minnesotan of Joe Maurer for a being the best catcher of his generation and perhaps the generation previous. Yeah. And at least the best hit, maybe the best hitting catcher of all time. Johnny Bench called. And uh Joe Maurer, if you like watching a man see ball hit ball, but maybe one of the best to ever do it. There are worse YouTube dives you could do than Joe Maurer swing mechanics. Our entire lives, there was just so much discussion of how much money he was making. He didn't hit enough home runs except for the MVP year. He was uh, pussy. He was injured too much. He, so much so that one of my best friends claimed to me uh, in high school that his uncle was one of the team doctors for the twins and that if joe mauer missed a game for quote bilateral leg stiffness that it meant he was having panic attacks <laughs> to which i th- i would say uh his knees hurt he squats for a leg and uh and also especially when he switched to first base that was like yeah. That was almost worse. That was because, just spitting in the fans and, in, the, and in the Rube's face. Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau both were sort of. I'm not going to say early concussion um, casualties because I I think Justin Morneau won a batting title post concussion. But I mean, he was that that season at least was a concussion casualty because when he got oh, knocked yeah, out, yeah, he, was, yeah. he was had a thousand OPS. He did. He and was out of his mind. I remember what I was doing that summer because I was working at this HVAC plant. They called me College Boy, and uh, I I played up that to that role by being the guy that's like, um, concussions are very serious, right. and he was that's a head injury, man. He's a thing. He has a brain injury, and he was hitting uh, three seventy. When he, I'm just pulled it up. In 81 games in 2010, he had a th- he was hitting 345 at that point. A 345 with power. A 618 slugging. I mean, his his OPS was he he won MVP in 2006 erroneously. We all know that at this point. 
But he had a 934 OPS. He was he was a, a hundred points better. <laughs> yeah. And insane. But so the thing is, is like uh the world hadn't been changed yet by Will Smith starring in the movie Concussion. And basically, basically, no one had to tell the truth yet. And tell the people the truth. They were much maligned, both of them. For whatever reason, there's so much angst locally tied up with talent because we were so you and i are so brought up in the terry ryan uh he's the most recent non he was he was the immediate predecessor of the current yes and he he had the job for 20 years he had the job for 20 years in like the three years where he took a time took some time off i don't really remember the circumstances he was very much any and all talent that would be on that team would be received either as prospects in a trade where we were sending talent out or through our own picks that we got from being bad yeah and so never nary a free agent nary a free agent maybe and maybe this is projection but i i feel this sort of local anxiety about bringing talent in that it's like cheap and wrong and <laughs> it's, it's the easy way to do it it's, it's what those yeah, damn yankees the, do right it is what the yankees do and that was always the way i felt about it because when i was a kid every yankees victory ever was to me a fraud because of the steinbrenners yeah they're essentially, they're essentially cheating it's <laughs> essentially being rich is cheating and that was another thing we were right about. So the biggest free agency signing, in, and for a guy that, from just based on, if, if you hadn't read a news story about free agency this summer, what you would know about Carlos Correa is that he's pretty good. Pretty good. By solid, which I mean... Solid player. This isn't like the last Kobe contract where it's... You're they right. might as well have just written him... A check for however much money with a memo on it that said thanks for the memories (laughs) yeah like if you had read the news stories you would think he can't walk it's been so weird because like health is like you can't really report on it because it's a hipaa thing so like people are too scared to like say anything like especially journalists or whatever but like boris loves talking about it <laughs> That's for sure. Right, but I I think part of it is you you never want to talk about a union man's true. You never want to talk about a union man's body on the record like that. Well, um, it's also it's like nobody knows what this all like. I I I wouldn't be surprised if like not necessarily it's like they're quote unquote covering something up, but like I don't know if it's really all about the plate in his. I mean, maybe well, it is. I well, don't know. Presumably when the Twins signed him last year, 
he had to take a physical. I, I, I assume most guys have to take physicals before they sign their contracts. And it's like, well, I assume they saw that he had a plate in his ankle then and also can, like, look at his Carfax report or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, he, and people know he fucked his ankle up in, in single A when he was 19. And this, Maybe it's just part It might have just been on the team side of just trying to drive the price down. It could be a bargaining tactic all the way around. Speaking as a non-healthcare professional, I feel like maybe A, you administer a slightly different physical when your directive is, to what extent can we expect 12 years of health from him? But but what I'm saying is, is also, you get a different physical, but your physical results get interpreted differently yeah. when you're trying to pro- prognosticate health a decade I'm plus. Just, I'm not. I think that's like sort of right, but I feel like that's right from like a fan perspective. Like that's how right. fans would think of it because it's like the teams know that he's gonna presumably suck in 12 years. Like you're not expecting even Cars credit, but you you do the 10 years to get him. Right. It's about the first It's the four. price of doing business. Did he sign? I, I'll, I'll. I, I think, going, going back to our, our second topic, I don't think we're going to do a whole ton of... We'll do research, um, but not a lot. Not that much. I'm trying to mo- mostly just off the top of my head here. If it's between going and getting a piece of pussy and... <laughs> <laughs> And studying and, st- and, and doing homework for and my podcast, podcast, it will be the former uh, <laughs> 10 out of 10. For cause will for the Twins win the Trevor Bauer sweep? I really don't want to think about it. He'd be the best pitcher we've had since, like, Johan. Where we stand is they've added Christian Vasquez. An upgrade. Not, Not a upgrade. bad... Well, he, the, the thing is now that, like... The, the signings they had made that look just like, what the hell are we doing here? Just like really uh, throwing darts at the border. Like, they make a little more sense. At least like Vasquez, it's like, well, we needed a catcher. He was probably the best or second what best. Was a better... Well, no, Wilson Contreras was the best. He was the second best uh, catcher that was available. And he we was didn't... the second best catcher the Twins could get. And, and like, well, yeah, I think we would have had to trade otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, he's perfectly good. You know, he's better, he's, he, he, you know, doesn't get injured a lot, right. uh, that kind of stuff. And he's good at fielding, and he hits, you know, a 700 OPS instead of 550. Uh, so it's, like, tolerable. He's a tolerable signing, especially for three years. It's, like, nice. Uh, Gallo still baffled. Not sure what the hell we're doing. Until we trade Kepler, it's going to Until really, we trade Kepler. It's really just, like, is, what is, the hell? Are we... I suppose. Because he gets paid more money than Kepler. So he it's is, like, what is he the... makes more money than Kepler, and he, but like he hits, he has a way higher ceiling than Kepler. He hits the ball much harder. Yeah, he's Sano. Part of me does believe in Kepler. Well, Sano is bad at defense. Yeah, at least at best he was like a net neutral. Right. At least you can plop Joey Gallo out somewhere and in right? multiple positions. And he's right. he's obviously more valuable. Um, he's a better player as a hitter they are literally the same person yes exactly the same I was sort of concerned I bought my co-host here uh, and myself matching Araya's 316 t-shirts wearing it right now for Christmas that's so sweet 
I'm not. I'm wearing my work clothes. I didn't even know we were doing the podcast. Yeah, we planned on doing the podcast around 420 today. uh, Legalize it. I was concerned that they were going to trade our friend Luis. And they still might. They still might. But my question is, is with someone theoretically near or around the heart of the lineup, so-called, you'll have Arias and Correa, who are about as steady a production. It's a great one-two. Pretty good one-two. As far as one-two Or however you like or organize it. However it works. But my point is, is those are two guys that I think of as being consistent. And... Um, and then we have a bunch of insanely inconsistent power. Well, my, my set, my so so you would think that there's some sort of grander vision, and what I'm trying to to the lineup construction from the front office, and sort of what I'm trying to do here is suss out what that might be, and right. the low variance of the of Arias and Carlos Correa and. The high variance of a Gallo Buxton, yeah. He said Buxton's Buxton's variation isn't even. It's like playing or not. It's not necessarily like right. Like, except when he does he, have huge. He does have stretches where he's like bad, but then I like, almost feel like the stretches where he's bad though are him playing through injuries. Yeah, I, that yeah, that is another. So it's all it's all sort of the, but Buxton is another high variance case. Um, but my my question is is if the overarching idea is that is that mm-hmm. if the if basically that the te- the aggregate OPS comes out in the wash. Yeah, well, it's 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 a thing where that's where like OPS can not because it doesn't tell you how many of the runs are coming in necessarily. Like it's a good. Uh, indicator of like there's your team's just good at hit like hitting uh, extra base hits and getting on base or whatever but like as we all know like tw- in 2019 they just like couldn't hit with the bases loaded yes that kind of thing but like, like they had the worst ops in the league despite hitting the most home runs in baseball history you gotta hit the, you gotta hit them all the way in so or they're not coming that's kind of the thing where that's where like the 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 real anti-analytic cranks actually kind of are right like hitting a bunch of solo home runs in games you're already losing is like not gonna... we're already winning yeah like it doesn't do who fucking cares yeah um so like if sano sano and gal are great examples of this because it's like they're good probably in like two week stretches basically that's how it always seems to me mm-hmm. uh mano mano miguel sano would hit you know would spend a month hitting like a thousand OPS or something and then just be trash for two months. And I think Gallo is also similarly uh, pretty streaky because he'll hit the ball like five times in, you know, six days and they'll all be extra base hits. And it's like, well, he's, he's insane. He's a, he's great. But at best it's going to be like his best game, his productive games are going to be one for three with a home run and two walks. It's never going to be like, he hit three singles and got four RBI or something. You know, the Arias I mean? line where it's and like that, I mean, two that, runs, one RBI, three for four. And the real question is like, does 
pairing all those guys together, as you said, come out in the wash because it's like, well, we got if Correa and Arise are getting on base, we're uh, a lot, and then but just Joey Gallo comes up and strikes out forty percent of the time, or like if Polanco's injured half the season, so we just have like. You know what I mean? Like, like the same, it was the same thing last year. This lineup should be really good. Right. Uh, like, just not, like, if your top five or whatever is, like, Buxton, Arise, Correa, Miranda, mm-hmm. like, Gallo, theoretically, Polanco, like, that's an awesome lineup. But the very, like, they're, like, if they're all, like, not hitting at the same time for some reason, this team's going to look terrible. Or if the... If the injuries start stacking up, now there is some help in the minors, I guess. But well, well, I mean, we traded a lot of them. We did trade a lot of them for for pitchers who are now question marks. Are you a Royce Lewis believer? I mean, I think he's good. He hit really well. Yeah, but we uh, may have killed his career already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by by forcing him to play center field. Infuriating. Is he a, is he good at fielding or not? What is he good at? He'll never know. We'll never know. He might have been a starting shortstop. And we might have literally just forever just been like, well, well never mind. But hey, Jim Tomey was a shortstop. Yeah, until he tore his ACL, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's like, if he, let's see, like, we have a lot of, like, infielders. All right, so <clears throat> we took a break. It's none of your business. We can do whatever we want. It's our show. We were talking about... That's the beauty of having your own show. We were talking about infielders. We were talking about the lineup. I think we know enough about baseball to know that the lineup on opening day is sort of irrelevant uh, because injuries will happen and matchups will happen. Exactly. This is a platoon happy squad. This is a platoon happy management group, and also a roster prone to injury. So, I think it'll be hard to predict, but I think it's worth noting that positional flexibility to be greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated. That's all negotiating tool as well. Well, the other thing is, is like, oh, so everyone can be a DH? <laughs> right. Awesome. Everyone can play first base? It's sick. I think people started to realize that, like, everybody plays, like, every every infielder played every other infield spot in, in the minors for one reason or another. Like, they probably all started at shortstops because they're all, they're all good. And then they're like, oh, we're not actually, like professional shortstops we're high school shortstops <laughs> so we're third baseman or second baseman or whatever so now people like just list all of the positions they've literally ever played because you'll just you'll hear people talking about how like oh well he, he played a couple innings at like first and double a like six years ago so so what you're proposing is we adopt sort of positional ranking standards of a fantasy league like you can you can put a guy at second base once he's put in forty plate appearances. Yeah, exactly. Like you got to qualify. What if you had to send a guy to the minors and make him play at Triple A? Yeah, no, <laughs> make the, him, the wrong. You, he's got to go to he's got to go to low A and play right field for a week. It's like they they 
they said that Miguel Sano could play right field. They they went all the way through spring training and everything. And they got to the the show, the real show, and they put him out there anyway. Oh my god. Uh so I don't really care. I, I believe it when I see it for the most part. It's like Arise is like competent at first base, he but he also play. fucks it up a lot. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you just if you specifically watch him play first base not just following the ball when it like gets thrown to him after somebody else already, after you've missed him going to first base and him being lost or whatever. Which is like obviously it's not the end of the world. Sano is the same way. He would just like goof up some stuff. You can like any literally everyone can play first base. Right. It's this just whole... not it's nothing to it's nothing to brag about. Well my so my concern with this is that is that <clears throat> specifically with Jose Miranda, um, yeah, he might stink at third. We like we had no well, idea. he might stink at third, but what? On top of that, he looks to me like a first baseman already. Right. It's not. Yeah. Like it, I didn't think he was. I just didn't think he was any good at fielding. I don't no. think the position has that much to do with it. Do you think he's a good hitter? Do you think he's really good at hitting? Do you think any infielders could be traded, regardless of return? Regardless, well, I mean they've already floated a rise, so probably. you assume they. I would assume it would Blanco. be a rise, but like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, well, Blanco's pretty cheap too. Uh, so, so like he and I don't know if he has like one one more like one more season after this one or. Exactly, because him and Kepler are on the same. They're on that same. Isn't it a so deal he, where he might be a free agent. Is it? Wasn't it? Did I make this up? Isn't it some weird deal where the the salary goes down every year? It was front loaded. Yeah, I, I think they might have done the front loading. That could be. I, I I do believe they did that. I know they did it for Sano too. I know they 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 did like weird. Dude, that's so sick! What a team friendly deal. I love when I love you know what one of my my favorite things in baseball are uh, number one above all the owners saving money and number two it's risk mitigation I don't want the team to take ooh eighty one wins is pretty that's a lot of wins so that's, hey, that's more wins than I've ever won so like I don't want to like go out on a limb here and try to get to eighty five all right let's be happy with what we got uh. <clears throat> we don't want to look stupid. Hey, you know how many times they won the AL Central? Six times in nine Variance years. frightens me, and uh, I cannot root for it. And so we have Farmer. People say that he can play every position. I will say that at least if you're a competent major league shortstop, you most definitely can play third and second. So I actually do kind of buy that. Unless the Reds just play him at shortstop because they're like, who cares? Well, don't, don't come. <clears throat> don't pay. Another layer of that is if Kyle Farmer, just for instance, Kyle Farmer was truly the Swiss Army knife. How do we get him? Because <laughs> he can't hit. Maybe the Reds just don't care. Maybe my Korea feelings are, are spreading. Where I'm just like, well, if we have him, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, self defeating, oh, for sure. You know something that we did not discuss 
we sort of touched on, but I, I wanted to talk about with you about the Correa thing is, is what it feels like to be a man's third choice. Because it seems to be breaking brains on the Twins Reddit. Or the Twins yeah, sub, I should I, say. I've seen some tweets. I've seen some, some Reddit comments. These are mostly business decisions. I don't think his teammates give a shit. His teammates all understand that he wants to get that back. You know what I mean? These guys are all, like, they're not stupid. They don't, th- I don't think any of the players are like, oh, he, why, well, they're not, they're not Will Smith. They're not, well, why, why not, why he don't like me? <laughs> they're all making money. Well, okay. Like, yeah. like you have to play with your friends or whatever, but it's not, I don't think, it, I don't think it's like transferring high schools. <laughs> no, or whatever. I so what I was gonna say is, <clears throat> a I don't think I think actually that that would bug Josh Donaldson. Sure, but, but like the, I, but 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 a fan worrying. I I understand. I understand like maybe having a chemistry chemistry concern. Sure, but the idea that something that. Is, Theoretically, you've assigned some time to. I I just can't imagine that 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 real people at their job are mad about the. I think a lot of players can compartmentalize that. I don't I, know. It's part of the job. It's not, and it's also not like he was traded. Like being traded can fuck with you. Yeah, sure. But like, also, I feel like that animosity would mostly be between Correa and the front office. It's not like Correa and the player, like the. It's not like the players have anything to do with it. You know what I mean? It's not like the players can go to the go to Fall People Meet and be like, "I'm gonna put some fucking extra money down." You know what I mean? It's not up to them. I am concerned for the health and well-being of other people when I see them angry. When they feel like Carlos Correa doesn't want to be here, yeah, people think it's a per like he must not like Minnesota, as if that has jack to do with. Didn't did we not root hard enough? Yeah, like did did we not give enough to him? Are we not hot enough for you? Yeah, it's it's just like so whiny. Is he bigger than me? (laughs) I think the teams were kind of irrelevant to him. Like the twins, it wasn't that the twins weren't good enough. It's that they simply were not offering enough money for most of the nego. That's why he went to the Giants first, and then the Mets. Well, and if you're making that sort of money, it does not matter where you live because you will have property elsewhere. It's a seasonal job. It's a seasonal job, and he probably just lives in Puerto Rico in the winter. Well, shocking, and and, and it's just like. Nothing like, but but beyond that, when you make that much money, wherever you're spending time, you're spending time in like this weird bubble that that, that regular jagoffs like you and I, <clears throat> we shall never see the interior of. You know, like you're just whisked from place to place, and you only talk to your handler and your teammates and your family. And <laughs> my, my buddy did see uh, Carlos Correa at the Galleria one time, uh, just walking around that the mall in Edina. <laughs> so. One of the great malls. Let's put it this way. He used to play for the Houston Astros, and that necessarily makes him a mercenary. Yeah. He cheated. He cheated. 
He's a cheater. You know, I, and I, I am perfectly okay with it. Here's the he's thing. He's on the Minnesota Twins. He's now. cheated. He'll cheat again. I hope he cheats for us. I he won a World Series. I want to win. <laughs> I want to win games. That's the real line. It's not. I don't think the real the line for the Twins is necessarily spending money. If, I think it's growing a set of fucking testicles. I mean, like, the, the rules don't matter my, in baseball. My concern is that if you feel like you shouldn't cheat, that's all well and good. However... So he's a cheater. He's a cheater. He's, a, he, cheat he's willing to win. He's willing to he'll, He's willing to do whatever it takes. You know what I watched last night? Uh, I think I texted you when this happened. But... Uh, the the college football championship was last night, and at about the third Georgia score, I was like, this is boring, I'm watching something else. So I did what I often do in such a situation. I went to Tubi. I went to the recently added tab on Tubi, and I was scrolling through, and I saw L.A. Confidential, and I, I, I literally it escaped from, like, it was almost like barfing. I went... Let's go, dude! <laughs> and then I watched LA Confidential. But there's a scene in LA Confidential when when Exley's being debriefed by the mayor and the DA and the chief of police. And he they're asking him what his opinion on who should get punished is. And he's trying to get Russell Crowe fired, of course. Big Jim Cromwell has a line where he's like, he says, Russell Crowe is an excellent detective. And he's willing to answer yes to a few questions I've asked you from time to time. <laughs> That's how I feel about Carlos Correa. Is it's like, sure, Edmund Exley, he wears glasses and he follows all the rules. You know what? If he you, If you are running drugs in Los Angeles and the police at the same time. You need someone who is willing to tie Danny DeVito to a chair and beat him to death. You get Carlos Correa. Yeah, he's proven it. He's shown me. And then he's... he's they, all, they also managed to win the World Series. They were quote-unquote not cheating during. I like this about Alex Rodriguez as well. Another erstwhile shortstop. Minnesota legend now. He got caught doping, got off on a technicality, and showed no remorse. Yeah, never. I love it. I We need killers. They don't, you're rooting for the laundry. You're not rooting for the guys. And okay. if you are, you want guys. You don't want them on the other team. I'm not rooting for my favorite soup kitchen. Yeah, exactly. I want to win. Let's talk about pitching. Talk about something that will most likely prevent us from winning. So there's Sonny Gray. Good. Good. There's my favorite, Mr. Ryan. Yep, Joe. Uh, California. Old He's Joe good. Ryan. I know we just said we're rooting for laundry, but I do. It is baseball. I do like a colorful character. Yeah, colorful, a little colorful personality. The guy likes bikes. He likes bicycles. He has a. This man yeah. owns. This is a, a young a man. Rate. A young man that owns a penny farthing. 
That, those are the best kind of guys, the guys who get very rich and then just, like, when they're 25 and then buy some goofy stuff. A 25-year-old that has the affectations of a divorced 55-year-old yeah, like the, is yeah. the most charming type of guy to me. He'd be Tom Paris working on a Camaro in Voyager. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the dumb shit Joe Ryan would get up to in the holodeck? <laughs> uh... You know what I mean? So it's like that's always I I, I don't I don't, I just like yeah, I appreciate a nice personality. I just don't require it. <laughs> you know, it's not that's a necessity, right? And then it just starts to be question marks for me because it's like Mally, we got him and he instantly couldn't pitch, which doesn't make me <laughs> we feel were good. sold a lemon, uh, maybe, and then. Bailey Ober, who pitched really well, but has literally never pitched a season ever, ever, not even in college or like high school, you know. So he could be pretty. I mean, he pitched pretty well, but we got to see it, or just we can get even like a hundred innings. Cautiously <laughs> optimistic. If he could be good for a hundred innings, just the last two months of the season, it's like okay, sure, I'll take it. Yeah. Maeda is back. I'm pretty sure they is said he, he should be ready at the beginning of the season. Is he, but but is he relief? No, I think I, I'm pretty sure he, he's gonna. If start? he's back, he's starting. Really? That's what his con. I mean, that's why he signed with the team. His contract, yeah. Um, and he has a bunch of uh, contracting incentives on like starts and that's true. And stuff. Number two of Cy Young that year. Yeah, and, do, and deservedly so. Very yeah. deservedly so. Um. And then, and then he was he got hurt and or he, he pitched hurt changes exactly he he pitched hurt for a few weeks because I swear to God the twins the twins either have the least convincing training staff in history <laughs> or we only sign morons who will just like like they are programmed to lie about how much pain they are in. It's ridiculous. Because, like, Maeda pitched, like, five starts where he's throwing, like, 89. And he's just like, I feel fine. <laughs> Dude, I, this is the best I've ever felt. Mally did the same shit. Mally had that one start against the Royals. He's throwing 89. And they come out to talk to him. He's like, oh, I feel good. I can get out of and this. He, he throws one in. It like throws, like, one more batter and gives up, like, a grand slam or whatever. And, like, Rago just, like, storms out to the mound and is like, who, like, oh, you're fine, bro? Like, so, while we're talking about pitching, what, have they, have they announced anything vis-a-vis the pitching coach? To re, just to review, our pitching coach. He did just leave halfway through the uh, season. Has a, that was pretty a, weird. Our pitching coach halfway through last season said, I have a secret family and I like them better. <laughs> and, and and took a job in some... Where did he go? Back to the um, SEC? Yeah. LSU? LSU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so Tigers! And, like, by all accounts, it seems like a pretty par for the course move. It's more as just, like, the middle of the season. But, you couldn't give us a heads up, pal. Right. It was because I think he was like, "Well, I gotta start recruiting." Who was so the I interim Pete, guy? Pete Mackey. Pete Mackey. I do like the name. It sounds like an old school pitching coach. So, you know, I guess we'll see. We also have. I mean, Paddock won't pitch this year. I don't think, even though he looked good for five starts. 
last year, so. There's Simeon Woods Richardson. Major League starters. Yeah, pull the roster up. All right, so uh, we still got this. Uh, we have a bunch of more injury, like Winder. Winder. Who looked good, but look then good fucked his hurt. shoulder up. Uh, Louis Varlin pitched like three games and looked all right, but that doesn't mean anything to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Cole Sands, not, I don't think he's ready yet. I don't think <laughs> he's got the, I don't know if he, he's got the sauce. He didn't look ready yet to me. Um, starters, I think they kind of might be it. Like Jordy, Jordan Balazovic and Cantorino are both good minor league pitchers, but the Cantorino especially is also injured all the time. So. Yeah, but they might be quadruple A guys. They, they're probably bullpen guys. I don't yeah, think, I don't think they're start. I think a lot of these guys are almost. I, I've just come to the conclusion that almost every minor league pitcher is probably a bullpen guy. <laughs> Gonna end up as a bullpen guy. So I well, so our bullpen looks like fine. Bullpen, honestly, bullpen did sort of. And I don't. I have not verified this with numbers. I feel like they got better. No, over yeah. the course of last season, it was weird. They had like, like, because Theobar was like really good. He was like pretty brutal for a stretch, and then I think he yeah. just like pitched out of his mind. It was weird because Jorge Lopez was not good for us. No, so that's not very good. And also, Emilio Pagan still on the team. Yeah, uh, that's a real bo- That's a real. Uh, that's a real bonehead move. I don't understand. <laughs> Like, maybe I'm getting a little big for my britches here. <laughs> what? I, uh, any guy. Any not guy. Him. Bring, what's his name? The tiny little guy that had the beard. Oh, Sergio Romo. Bring Sergio yeah. Romo now back. Well, he certainly gives, I know this for a fact, he gives up less home runs than Emilio Pagan does. No, no one's ever done ever it. No one's ever done it. Giving up more home runs for nine innings than him. Which is, as a reliever, that might be the worst stat, the worst one to give up the most stuff. Because it should, it should, should, just the way that you, the way that you're used, it should be low. Because theoretically, if it was high, they'd stop asking you to do it. What is, how do you do this? How do you keep, oh, but like we got Duran, you know, that's. Like Thielbar is good. Moran is, I think Moran could be really good. I um, like they like a lot. Oddly pitched him very like I thought their usage of him was very odd last year because they'd only use him when we were losing, or they would let him pitch mop up games. And it's like the, or they'd make him pitch like three innings. And it's like he's gonna give up four runs. Like I don't. What's the point of doing this? I don't. You're just ruining him. I don't really get the. <laughs> you're just killing his confidence for no reason. You're like, oh yeah, get your ba- brains beat in. Against the Orioles, who stink. So, go sop it up, son. Like, I just, like, we have worse pitchers that are more durable. Like Pagan. Pagan's a great mop-up guy. He's got oh, a rubber arm. One of the best. And the reason is because he makes the game's mop-up opportunities. Right I don't on. I don't think Trevor McGill has the juice. The kid throw, he throws 100, but it's not very good. I don't understand what his deal is. Anytime we put him in a position that wasn't the fifth inning, he gave up a run. So. Do you know? Do, I've I've had. I think Jax is pretty good though. I've had. I like him. Uh, yep. I think Alcala, if he's healthy, could Alcala's good. Could if be he's basically healthy. just as good as Duran. Yep. Like he doesn't throw quite as hard, but I mean, like I don't see why he couldn't be as effective. Our bullpen could be pretty good, and like if. If everybody's healthy in the starting rotation and kind of pitches to what you would expect, it is like a rotation of 
second and third starters. So it's like yeah. that, I mean that like for a regular season, that's a should be that's fine. a that's an AL Central division champion. Like a good lineup, a solid bullpen, and a bunch of pretty solid starters. I haven't looked. Does anyone else? Dude, do the Central's this? looking not very good. No, well, that, that's what I'm asking. What, 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 what's going on in Chicago? I don't think they're very happy. With they don't have Tony LaRusse anymore. That might just put them back into 90 win. That's what I'm going. saying. Is that in addition by subtraction? <laughs> it can't hurt. It can't make them worse. To have the guy all the Latino and black guys don't like in charge. The guy that was falling asleep <laughs> during games. He was falling asleep at work. My favorite slash the only Louis Anderson stand-up joke I ever remember is that men stop getting different haircuts at the age when they're getting laid the most. And Tony Larusa is an excellent example. Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> I can't believe they fucking. That's when like having an owner that like cares is bad is very bad. The owner, when, that when the cares. owners be like, ah, this guy's my buddy. That should help us win some games. <laughs> it's the. I got my old alcoholic friend, which brings me to the Guardians, owned by people who hate it. Yeah, they hate that they own them. They don't care at all. They only want it to make money. And look what it gets them. Uh, good pitchers for some reason. People always talk about, they're always calling you on the phone and they're telling you about how Major League is the best baseball movie. And what I would tell you is it has one glaring flaw, which is that if it was accurate, the Cleveland Indians... Then Indians. FKA. FKA the Indians. If that was an accurate representation of their ownership group, instead of trying to sell the team, they would actually just be trying to punish the people of Cleveland. Like, yeah. it'd be some sick mind game. They're playing with an entire community. You could absolutely do that with, like, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Just, like, make a movie about how psychotic they're ethos is as an organization Moneyball should have been about billy bean have i mean it sort of was about billy bean having a strange psychological battle with himself but also it should be about a group of people who are trying to find the most statistically efficient way to torture the people of they are the chicago boys of baseball right they they are the pinochet they're the United Fruit Company. Like, oh, just a shit sport. Or, 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 or McNamara just like being, doing Fordis, Fordism for war. Doing Fordism for baseball. Where it's just like, these are not humans. These are products. We are here to make money. It's just like whack as shit. Like, there, it's like. <laughs> it's just whack it's as whack. shit. Tampa, like, the, the way Tampa fucking runs it, like, like get them giving a contract to Wander Franco that is still grossly undervalued. But, like, to him, is he's 18, so they're just like, yeah, how about 20 mil a year, dumbass? <laughs> and, and he's just like, yeah, you I guess. stupid idiot. It's be- well, it's better than being on arbitration, isn't it? This fleece team, they're just insanely good at fleecing teams, just getting rid of their shitty old players as soon as they're off their rookie deals. 
Like trading Chris Archer for Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows. We've been through the Chris Archer experience. And it was better than it was in Pittsburgh. That's for sure. That's true. But the bad sort of it almost did feel like the front office was conducting an experience, an experiment using the team on us, funded by the fans, whereby they were trying to ascertain how few innings could a starter throw. And we'll still call him a starter. And well, regardless of that, they're just like, how many innings can this guy throw without completely destroying the bullpen? Yeah, because my whole thing is like, okay, I guess I'll allow the like if he can only throw four innings if he's like got a one eighty ERA. Right. Like if if he's if got it's, a five ERA, it's totally pointless. Four spotless innings every week. Then it's like okay. Sure, I can. We can work with that. I can, I totally would be down for a, like a baseball team absolutely eschewing starting and relieving roles altogether. Just did positionless rotation. Just said, well, we're pitching guys for as long as they're good in every game, and we're just gonna see what the fuck happens. Because as, as it currently stands, the Twins can't get five starters that are any good. You know what I mean? So it's like, who gives a shit? Let's just try to get a guy who can max out for three innings. Like a Pagan. It's a mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just like, but like, when it's Chris, when the only guy in your entire roster who gets to do it is Chris Archer, and he stinks. What's the fuck? What the what the fuck was the point? He stinks, but he's got a great attitude. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> he loves playing baseball. He's really grateful for the opportunity. And at least Dylan Bundy could go seven. Dylan Bundy could know? throw seven of the shittiest innings. If he there was like a couple games where he got through like seven scoreless and it's just like they're hitting the ball hard just right at everybody. But it's like at least he could do the seven. Chris Archer couldn't do that. Right. Chris Archer could throw a no hitter and have to get taken out in the fourth inning. Yeah, you would have had thrown no four no hit innings and a hundred and eighty pitches. Yeah, like four pit, four innings, eighty pitches, and Rock is like, well, the Velo's already going down. So uh, if I th- if I have you throw any more, I'll have to put you down like a horse. You'll have to be destroyed. And they, they're like, well, we could do like you know who I think would be perfect for that, like a guy like Randy Dot, the the positionless rotation. Randy Dobnak is not good enough to be a starter. Mm-hmm. I think he could actually be really good at relieving because his sinker is really good. Right. If he only threw it, that in the slider, I think he'd be a, a very effective one inning pitcher. But I think he's good enough to pitch. He's We've seen it over and over. He's good enough to pitch three to five innings. And that's pretty much it. They started him in a playoff game because of that. Well, and you know? I think I – think, that's another guy on the starting rotation that we no one knows anything about anymore. Is yeah. Dobnik. Yeah, yeah. I think on some level, um, this begs the question: Do you think that, th- for instance, we feel basically what I'm hearing is what we feel like is the the innings stuff came from the top down. I'm, I'm, he seems like the kind of guy that would actually pitch to his arm for a while. Oh, no, I meant from 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 the GMs. Oh, yeah. Because last season, a lot of this got put on Rocco Baldelli's doorstep. 
And I think it was almost always the... I feel like the pitching staff was kind of its own unit. You yes. know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, if Rocco was necessarily the guy being like, we got to bring in this guy now. And... I, mean, I feel like Wes was, like, the one making the calls. So, but, so my question is... Another distinct characteristic of the Wes Johnson era of pitching is telling, for instance, Kenta Maeda to throw, I don't know, 80% sliders or whatever the fuck it was. Do you think that's coming from Thad and Derek? Or was that coming from Wes? That's what I'm driving. Or is the R&D department its own? The R and D department is like becomes they they've become Skynet. They're a rogue state. <laughs> all of their algorithms became self aware. They created a baseball Terminator. It's just like there's just like a mole going around just talk, confusing all the players with data. This was like Matt Whistler. No, I'm serious. You got to throw ninety percent slide. Robert Patrick is dressed as a cop, <laughs> storming around the locker room, being like. Have you seen these splits? He's like talking. To, he's like talking to Miguel Sano that he's got to swing more for the fences. Have you tried hitting it you, harder? You got to grip it and rip it, man. <laughs> well, you're, you're seeing too many. What you're pitches. doing is not working. You're seeing too many pitches, man. Working the count is for babies. It's boring. <laughs> Bored. I, I do. I, I'm happy the twin side. Yeah, I think the headline is, is I do think team got better. Team got better. And I think it is like, I know, I know it's, I know it's psychologically damaging to all of us. And I know it, it is literal violence. I know it's hard not to, to think that you deserve a nice thing. I know it's literal violence, but it does seem like Thad and Derek kind of weight stuff out yeah i mean every, every year every big move they've made has been very late carlos Correa, this has been one of the earliest in the offseason moves big moves they've made yeah the carlos correa famously joined the team during spring training yeah i mean honestly this is the, the, just the fact that it is before spring training is i think that's another part of like why the fucking guys come in and like they're not all brett Favre. you know spring training is pretty important and and lockout season, fucking with spring training, yeah. also is yeah. a big part of that too. Preach a lot of injuries because of that. So team got better, and and what 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 we're saying now is that I think it is absolutely imperative they make a trade. But it is perhaps indicative that trade coming. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Now they're probably actually like more seriously right. Because it's sort of like, well, if the trades you're making when with Luis Arise when you have Carlos Correa versus when you don't are very different. They look different, but like I don't know that I want to necessarily give them credit for waiting the Correa thing out. It almost feels like a different transaction in the sense that it was a completely different negotiation process once he'd been through this twice. It's also entirely like a results-based judgment. Because, well, like, if, if they didn't get Correa, then it's like, you look like a bunch of fucking idiots. Well, my point is, is that is that if they don't get Correa... Then they the, almost just have to blow up the... Right. <laughs> like, like, we're like, we're wasting our time. And now. that's such a that's such a testament to the value of Correa that, that irrespective of... Like, I haven't looked at the payroll numbers. I haven't looked at 
I haven't looked at F war. I haven't looked at B war. I don't know what they mean. It does probably embolden and empower them to make slightly more well, aggressive. Well, like you you should you should. Yeah, because now you're now you're trying to win nowish. Yeah, and now you've committed some some coin to it. You you've you know. So in, it's like in in for a penny, in for a pound. So it's like now let's see what you can do to get a good pitcher. I I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, who's the but top line? You know what I saw. Also, I, you got to trade for that. And stuff. I do this. I do this mostly to go insane quicker. But I went on Twins Daily, and I and. It was one of those sort of uh, comment mongering posts where it was engagement farming, engagement farming via uh, blatant aggregation uh, of it was like twins interested in Michael Waka. Yeah, just the the next starting pitcher available. Well, that's my point: is that it does have so. And it's not again not true again with the waiting thing. You just sort of have to wait until something happens. These guys might wait until the trade deadline to add a pitcher. Who could say? Right. I mean, and they could wait to do that. Not sure what the value you would get out of it is necessarily. Other than maybe there's just a team that stinks out of nowhere and like is just willing to get rid of some right. Pitchers. Like, assuming could, that there's a you, well because there's always a team that's kind of like let's yeah they're just kind of like eh, it's not working out this year it's the a's will have to get rid of someone again i named michael waka just to say like what caliber pitcher warrants saying that they have accomplished that mission yeah that's a that is a good point because for me michael waka maybe not no <laughs> Maybe not enough. He is not it. He is not him. Because <laughs> it's like you want somebody who's like an ace. That's like the, the well, yeah. But but also, like who's fucking trading that? You know. Uh, so that's not going to happen. So you got to hope to get somebody who's like a, and from a at minute, least like Sonny Gray, like a number two, right? Because you can trade for like Barrios, for example. Not that we would now, but a guy as good as Barrios is the kind of pitcher who's available Man, in a trade. Just the name Jose Barrios kind of bums me out he right now. Sucked. That oh, it is not a good feeling to see a guy you like go to another team and, and, and kind of be who we thought he was still, but worse. But worse. Yeah, he, but, he had like a five thirty or where it's like it's like seeing your best friend like go to to personalize this all again. It's like seeing your best friend go like out east to some big school and then like their entire life falls apart. They go to Harvard and they they just did everything. They just, go to Oberlin and they go to fucking Oberlin and every they just like suddenly develop a pill problem. And Jose Barrios is the equivalent of someone who's hopelessly addicted to benzos. He led the league in earned runs. Yeah, dog. last year. <laughs> yeah, That's and a- hits allowed. That's hilarious. Hey, durable. Oh yeah. Not everyone. Uh, can stay healthy enough to give up Damn, that and many he was hits. Like, he was good 
in 2021 too. Yeah, he was a he was something. It hurt trade. that trade hurt me a little bit. I was a little sad. It, it was one of those ones where it made perfect sense. Like it's like yeah, this team's not going anywhere. He shouldn't be here. He should probably go pitch for a team that doesn't suck. I can't take care of him anymore. And then he went to a really good team. And he's he's bad. It's too he, bad. He had a five twenty three ERA. Which probably just means that he had like a lot of good games and then just some of like the worst games you've ever seen. Do you just remember? Like nine do runs. you remember that season? There was a season where, and and again, this is like one of those things where it's 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 a stat that was said in a baseball broadcast, and I've heard so many over the years that they've all become like one stat in my head, and they're all about Kyle Gibson, <laughs> but. This one is about Kyle Gibson. There was this one season where he led the league in perfect innings, but he also led the league in, like, innings where he gave up four or more runs. Yeah. And so in the middle, he just was dead average. (laughs) Right, yeah. Now talk about a variance guy. That's a variance in every game where it's like, oh, he gets through the lineup uh, twice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the third... That's the funniest and thing And then every life. once in a while, just when you're willing to say he's not good, he throws, like, seven shutout... Seven shutout in, in, like, a two-hitter. And, and, like, taking no time between pitches. Just, just like, a machine. Just yeah. a... Just a that's s- what he was projected to be, too. A machine that throws sliders at confused men. That's one of my favorite anti-analytic things of, like, guys who pitch that pitchers don't pitch enough innings anymore. And then you just be like, well, you see, they give up a lot more runs uh, when you pitch them this third time through the lineup. Well, and that's also, like, the Usually. most... It's just the most boring thing to argue about, if only because it's like, well, we're now we're speculating about some shit that just didn't happen. Right. It's just like, let's argue about what we imagine this outcome could have been. Just a just a just a made up bullshit. You know, I wanted to do uh I wanted to do a little Twins Daily Reading series, but it's it's getting awfully late. And we've talked an awfully long time. It's always it's always good to keep them uh looking for more. Always looking for more. And you know, Ernest gave you a new segment in part two. Ernest Hemingway once said that he stops writing when he would write he would stop as soon as he had like a good idea so that the next time he wrote he was like i know exactly what i'm doing and he didn't have to sit there and wait for to warm up well now we can let we can let the takes percolate a little bit we can you know what i mean we can let oh yeah we'll get some good takes coming I'll, 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 I might even write some down. Ooh, take some screenshots. When I'm listening to the Gleam in the Geek Max, I'm going to just... Every time I, I would normally stop to just DM you about something that would make me mad. Uh, not to make this a, a podcast review podcast. I don't think there's any shame in that. I feel like there's... Uh... Not that we couldn't do that. Dave Moore, I'm looking at you, buddy. Oh, oh I'll critique that shit, pal. <laughs> Dane Moore, uh, you actually, just made the list. Dane Moore, you made the list, but not even for your podcast. You're just a UST business major. Yeah, we don't like that, and that grinds my gears. Personally, that makes me mad. That makes me mad that you exist. Love the parking lot, though. 
great parking. Great parking garage. Holy shit, what a parking garage. Very convenient downtown. Woo! That's the law school, though. Oh, not the business school. All right. Good night.